podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, and today I'm delighted once again to be joined by Natasha Miko and Lawrence Conley for what I am sure will be an interesting Axon Bulletin. We were on yesterday at 12.30, but we're talking about things like, you know, football and that, you know, talking about managers coming in, um, the Eddie Howe question. And at some point, I was sent a message saying that there had been another COVID breach and, you know, we didn't have time really to cover it in any depth. Then had the opportunity to watch the press conference and that has been basically the subject of every headline, everything on social media. I'm going to come and ask the pair of you, Natasha, first of all, give me your thoughts, having had 24 hours really to kind of reflect and digest what we've seen yesterday. What, what are your thoughts about that press conference? I think on balance, we've got to take it on balance. I think overall it was just so far removed from what we needed as a club right now because all it has done is attract more bad press and negative attention. I mean, some of the points that Neil made are relevant and valid and I'm sure Lawrence is going to come on and discuss them further. But on the whole, the, the tone, the content and the delivery just really isn't what we needed. It was unprofessional, only invites more bad press and negativity in the club at a time where that's the last thing we needed. And again, it, it reverses what we've already had. We had Lawwell coming out last week and saying, we apologise for the Dubai trip. And for that apology, you know, we've obviously discussed on the show last week and it was flawed, it was limited, and again, it wasn't quite what we were looking for, but it showed some sort of recognition by the club that they needed to hold their hands up and have a bit of humility and say, sorry, we got this one wrong. That interview yesterday reversed that for me. Um, and the word, the words lack of communication, shambles, have been thrown around so many times over the last week or so, but I think they're pretty relevant here again. The big thing for me is I try and picture the entire scene as it is and it's difficult because obviously of the conditions that these press conferences are set up in but prior to going into a press conference, tell me if I'm I'm back at the wrong tree, there will be a brief of sorts, so there's certain messages that have to be consistent throughout the club, I would guess I just, when I seen yesterday's conference, the first thing that struck me was it was a very difficult watch, it wasn't comfortable viewing and I, I I make that point from someone who's watched Neil Lennon as both a player and as a manager and who has tasted the success and enjoyed the success under Neil Lennon and has supported Neil Lennon, you know, throughout both his tenures as Celtic manager right up to my own personal tipping point. And I think everybody, almost people have had one, but I just felt very uncomfortable watching it because it was almost as if whatever the message was, like you're saying, Natasha, previously from Peter Lowell, with hindsight, 
it was the wrong decision to go on that trip. Neil Lennon says something quite the opposite by saying, you know, I regret the fact that we lost a player, but I don't regret going on the trip. I want to apologise to the Celtic fans, but I'm going to ban you guys from speaking to Celtic players because of what Andy Walker said. So the first thing he demanded in the full-length interview was an apology. And I felt that he's had two weeks to prepare for this interview. And in those two weeks, there will have been, I guess, liaison with the people in the press team at Celtic. There has to be a message, like you say, whereby you're taking this on the chin, but certainly don't throw any more fuel to the fire. But, you know, I'm not going to use some of the words I've seen online, but I just felt the way he approached it was fairly confrontational because the opening question from, indeed, Charles Patterson at Sky Sports was used and it was turned round and Neil Lennon demanding an apology. Now, this was a pre-match. This was like a pre-match press conference where you would normally expect uh, some chat about the game, some chat probably about uh, the transfer window, maybe a question about the review, and obviously Dubai is going to come into it because he's not had an opportunity to put his side of the story across. But it just got from bad to worse throughout the, the 18 or 22 minutes of the interview. To the point where at the very end, the pattern gesture was that, you know, Neil Lennon stood up and walked out when people were still asking him questions. Now, I did feel it was confrontational. I felt that it was wrong to get on the back foot straight away. Uh, I've said my piece. I'm going to say a wee bit more today. But I also take the point that looking at the content of what he said, there are some concerns that have been raised. Was this the best platform to raise them on? Neil Lennon obviously feels that it was. I would have expected, and I'm going to come to yourself in a second, Lawrence, if there was any concerns that the rules or the goalposts had been moved or changed to punish Celtic by the Scottish Government, which I think he alluded to, correct me if I'm wrong, then that's something the club really should have already started taking them to task on. Lawrence, what's your feeling around the content of that particular part of the interview? I think you're right, it's confrontational, which no one likes, so I think a lot of the message got lost, but it's a really, really serious allegation that the goalposts have been moved. Did they get moved, and when did they get moved? Was it when we handed in the doors and said, look, we're only losing three players? Did they look at that and go, nah, you're not, we're going to change the goalposts now, you're losing 13? Or was it when we were in Dubai, and then they decided that they won't tell Celtic we've moved the goalposts so they can't plan for it? It, you, there's definitely, you know, there's a big question needing answered here. And I think Kerry Edson, the BBC, has approached the Scottish Government for con. You know, comment, did you change the rules? And the answer's no comment. Now, if they haven't changed the rules, it's an easy one for Scottish Government to put to bed and say, no, we didn't change the rules. The rules have always been in place. That's it. Celtic didn't abide by them. The plan was atrocious. That's why you've got one player affected with COVID and 13 having to isolate. Because the normal figures we see is kind of one affected, three or four aren't isolated. One to 13. And oh, a lot of Celtic fans are going, what kind of planning was going on there? That's all the strike force now. Mm-hmm. Who set it up? This is really strange. A Celtic that's incompetent, they can't plan for the rules. But now with Lenny's information in, you kind of go, well, this kind of makes sense then. If the rules have been changed and Celtic haven't been told, that could be, be why we're missing so many. But the more concerning thing is, if they've been changed, when we put it forward, went, we're only missing three, and they went, actually, we're changing them now. Because he said it's not for health reasons, it's for political reasons. And if it is for health reasons, we would expect these rules to apply to wider social distancing across the country. If it is that now it's three metres or four metres, whatever the change is, I think my health is as important as a football player's. So surely we should all know about this rule change, if it is for health reasons. Again... No, I take take your point because you've got to look at the content as way as well as the way that it was delivered. So you see the the delivery of that, as I say, confrontational, um, wee bit defensive, I would guess, and obviously, you know. Sometimes when you're seeing that, that's all you can focus on. You come away from that, you look at the content, and as Lawrence says, there's a serious allegation there. Now, I would guess Natasha that Celtic as a club are already looking into that and are already engaging with the relevant authorities, I would guess. And if they hadn't been, they certainly will be now because they need to justify the comments that Neil Lennon's made. I mean, is that something that, you know, initially do you think was maybe lost in the whole emotion of the interview itself? 
I think it was lost in the emotion and in the way the media portrayed it as well. Um, I'm not saying that there's any agenda here, but we do have to look at the way the media portrayed it. We got out originally in you know, 30 second clips of this interview um, from various sources posted on their Twitter timelines, you know, split up into these snippets of what he said. And of course, they chose the inflammatory 30 seconds where he was angry, confrontational, and you form an initial view of what this interview is going to look like. Um, and then, like you say, you watch the whole thing, you read the transcript, you take it as a whole. And it's different. It is. Um, and the problem there, though, is that he lost a lot of the key interesting points that he was putting forward were lost because of, firstly, the way it was portrayed in the media and secondly, in the way he delivered it. If you actually don't watch the interview and read the transcript, it's interesting and makes you think differently. But people firstly saw the interview, they saw his emotional reaction, they saw it in these 30-second clips and formed an opinion. So it does take a bit of stepping back and actually reading what he has to say to, to think about it properly. And, yeah, the problem is that that has been lost because of his delivery. You know, when I was watching it, and I don't know at what point, maybe 10, 12 minutes in, there's a wee break in proceedings where there's an opportunity to tell Neil Lennon Actually, there's a second player who's come up with a positive test. And again, you've got to try and put yourself in Neil Lennon's boots here because he's just been given a bombshell bit of information. He's trying to digest it himself. He's in the middle of a press conference. It's going to be a difficult uh, bit of information to then impart to the, um, what was it, the bloodthirsty or the bloodlust group in front of him. And that was his words. But what he did say is that he felt it was remarkable that a group is 60 only to come back positive. I found that bizarre, even under the circumstances. Because what it suggested to me, and I'm trying not to put words in Neil Lennon's mouth, if it was remarkable, did he expect more people to be affected? And if so, you know, what kind of a team would we have put out against Hibbs and Livingston had more people been affected? Lawrence, is that in the heat of the moment? I mean, he's just been delivered a bombshell. He's having to deal with that. Was it even the right thing to do at that moment in time during a press conference to give him that information? Was that a wee bit unfair? I think it's definitely unfair. You've got to ask where our Celtics PR team and, and the whole matter on the news management and getting ahead of the story, being able to put the story to bed. If these allegations are true, Celtics should have been leading with us from the start. We Celtic fans deserve to know. There was a lot of speculation out there about why are we missing so many players? What are Celtic doing? How can you possibly have all strikers? In fact, if the allegations prove to be true, you know, it casts a whole different light on Celtic and what's been going on in the Dubai trip. So, given him that kind of information, he's already under pressure. You know, they must have seen how the conference was going. It wasn't going well. Mm. You know what? Let's throw another wee bit into Lenny just to, to put him further off guard. You may be helping this guy. You know, for the time being, for however long, he's the manager of Celtic Football Club. Mm-hmm. Surely the club should be going, yeah, we'll give you a bit of hand here, Neil. <laughs> you know, because they could release it straight after the conference and say, well... Neil was conducting the press conference. He wasn't aware, but a second players. So, and release it to the press in that manner. Rather yeah. than giving Neil something else to deal with. But Celtic's PR over the whole tobacco has been shocking. But no, it has. Lowell's interview, an apology, did nothing to move the story on. You know, we've now learnt through another press leak that the review is still ongoing. Mm. Peter Lowell's apology, he could have put it in there and it would have moved the story away from Dubai to the review. But there was no moving away from Dubai on his story. You know, he could move it to transfer targets. There was nothing. And as a PR strategy, well, I don't know if they have one, to be honest, because I just think there's so little help can I guess. You know, this is the apology we're going to do. How do we move it on? They didn't even seem to take that into consideration. And to feed Lenny like that, right, what's Lenny going to say? He's obviously got some kind of prepared statement at points he wants to get across. Let's throw something else in. Let's throw a spanner in the works while he's clearly struggling with to contain his uh, anger. Yeah, yeah, I think it was a bad move. And as I say, I'm trying to be as balanced as possible because having seen the interview initially and try to digest that, I felt it was almost like some kind of meltdown that Neil Lennon was having. I started wondering if this was his parting gesture, if he knew that the writing was on the wall. I was thinking all of these things, but then what 
generally happens these days is it all goes quiet and you don't get anything at all from Celtic so you're left wondering if indeed that was the case I think the way that um, again I've been saying that he needs support in press conferences all season I get the, the feeling though that Neil Lennon is of the view that no I'll deal with this I've got this I'm, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind so going back to like the opening salvo of basically pinpointing words that Andy Walker had used um, Andy Walker had said that they'd been on a jolly to Dubai um, and I mean all these days and weeks later now we're still talking about the Dubai trip because it keeps coming back to the fore but he took exception to what Andy Walker said he said you know what's this guy done for Celtic in the last 30 years um, and then I realised wow I'm really old because the centenary year was oh, you know that was actually 32 years ago 33 years ago um, but yeah he starts pinpointing Andy Walker he then says Sky Sports are going to be banned you're not going to speak to my players but then later on in a different uh, piece that I was reading this morning he's pinpointed comments made by or he's been asked a question rather about John Hartson's comments and he's come out and says that John Hartson's opinion or his comments mean nothing to him and I felt that was unfair because I feel that Big John's been really supportive of Neil Lennon I think that to the point where even when others had thrown in the towel John Hartson was still coming out and being supportive and it gets to that point sometimes whereby he's got a professional job to do but he's got a friendship with Neil Lennon and he feels a loyalty to Lenny and you could see that in John Hartson, and, and you do take that on board. But obviously the, the tipping point has also arrived for John Hartson where he says that Neil Lennon should step down or be removed, and Lenny's also um, you know, had a go at, at big John Hartson. What's your feeling, Natasha? Is this the, the final words uh, from the Celtic manager? Is he on his way out? And he knew that, and he's come out all guns blazing? It could be. That was my first thought when I watched it as ill. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I switched to Boost Mobile and got a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone. Want to know the best part? Uh, it was free? Nope. The fact that it's on America's largest 5G networks? Nope. It's the ding. Oh, yeah. Love the ding. Right? It's all about the ding. It's the dingarooski, the dingarona, the ring-a-ding-ding. Unleash your power to save with Boost. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone when you switch. Boost Mobile. Unleash your power. And the ding. Limited time offer. New customers only. Available on select networks. 5G not available everywhere. One device per line. Tax excluded. Additional restrictions apply. See your local Boost Mobile store for details. It's like one last throw of the dice by a man who who knows that he's coming to the end of the road in terms of his, his Celtic career. And he was desperately trying to explain the mitigating circumstances and why this wasn't all his fault, really. Um, so it could be that. Or it could be someone who is coming out fighting for their job. Um mm. I'm sure we'll find out in due course. But touching on what he said about Andy Walker, I mean, you know, the Celtic fans haven't been, you know, shy in commenting that they don't agree with Andy Walker over the last 20 years either. You know, he regularly sticks the boot into the club and the fans regularly criticise him for it. But on this occasion, you know, what Andy Walker said, you know, accurately captured how the fans are feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, like he, he, what he said really was that, you know, he can't see his family, he can't see his friends, but, you know, the Celtic players can go and have a drink by the pool in Dubai. And it looks arrogant. And, you know, for once, Andy Walker actually managed to capture the way that the Celtic fans were feeling. And, you know, as far as I remember, I don't really remember Lennon coming in and criticising Andy Walker before um, and all the other negative things he said about the club, of which the list is endless. So why has he chosen now to come out and decide that he's going to have a go at Andy Walker? Is it because it was about him personally? You know, again, that goes back to the fact that that seems quite self-serving 
and like a man who knows that he's at the end of his job. You know, I was looking at the, obviously, the odds yesterday on new Celtic managers. Some people would say that's disrespectful to do that. Um, but, you know, it's it's definitely a possibility between now and the end of the season. We're probably in a situation where we, we all know Neil Lennon's on a, a 12-month rolling contract. I'm guessing that he's not willing to throw in the towel for a number of reasons. One of the, the main reasons is that's not in his nature, is it, really, to give up? That's not in his nature as a player or as a manager. But there'll be loads of other reasons financial will be part of that um, and perhaps the club are not willing to make that decision for him because obviously there'll be a cost attached to it but Lawrence how long can this go on this has really been you know Jim Jim Moore used a great term um, you know death by a thousand cuts it's been like that this season how much more will the Celtic support endure I mean Lenny made his point yesterday I'm apologising to the Celtic fans but you know, you do have a hardcore Celtic fans who think what Neil Lennon did yesterday was exactly what he should have done. But I see a huge amount, if not the majority, then certainly more than what I've seen supporting Lennon saying it was the wrong way to go about it. But what's your thoughts? I mean, how long will the Celtic fans endure this? Because it's drama after drama. It's not great for the reputation of the club. It's not great for any incoming manager. Do you think that we need to make a decision for the best of everybody involved. Well, if you look at it, Neil Lennon was isolated for two weeks. He wasn't cut off from the world. He released a press statement addressing certain points he had. He wanted to take up. And if that's why Andy Walker, and he thinks he's misbetrayed what a joy is and what training camp is, and there's a difference of opinion, he could have done that with press statements. He didn't need to wait two weeks to release it. You, you, you've got to kind of look at that and go, although you're isolated, you can still contact the press and say, this is you know, the statement from me. How long will it go on? We're reading in the press that the review had been done in the sun. Now we're reading it in the press that the review is ongoing. But yet again, there's no communication from the club. <laughs> you know, other than that, there is a review, or there was a review, or there was going to be a review. Where we are on it, who knows? Are the club going to make a decision? Well, you've seen Rose Desmond get moved into place. Surely that's kind of the start of whatever actions are going to be taken. You know, we all, I think we all agree the structure needs to change. Mm. The manager's on his way out. There's no point changing the manager and keeping the same structure. It'd be more normal for the manager to change before the structure because we want to keep Peter in places he's on various committees. You can't just move him out, so you maybe move him to more executive and he'll keep the place in committees and they can replace him as it comes up for re-election or however it's going to work. But you know, we've been promised the January review that the club really needs to speak out. And right now... Although, you know, Lenny was really confrontational when he's, he could have definitely choose different media and different timeline for releasing information, he seems to be the only one at the club that is willing to release information. You know, Peter, Peter Lowell's was a, a reluctant apology after a large amount of, of pressure, but you're looking at the, the club and going, when are you going to tell us what, what's actually going on? And there's, there's nothing coming from them. No, there's not. And we've mentioned it all season, really. Natasha, we've spoken about the way that the club has failed to engage with fans. And in particular, during these times where, you know, we're locking down, we're watching streams. And I think that's where a lot of the frustrations comes in. I mean, obviously, Neil Lennon was talking about, you know, the privilege and uh, he used the old air quotes and all that. And that's got a lot of people's back, back up because football players in that bubble are privileged. Of course they are. They, they, you know, they can go about their business a lot more than many of us, right? So there is privileges and that, that's before we go to the payment and the lifestyle and all that. I'm talking about privileges within the lockdown. Of course there is compared to lots of people who have lost their jobs or who are on furlough uh, etc. There are privileges so that I felt was, was the wrong thing for, for Lenny to say but you know I'm pretty sure that if we were to analyse every word that comes out of any of our mouths there'll be certainly lots of inaccuracies and lots of things that we said that were incorrect. Now Lawrence picked up on a point about the review Natasha and we have spoken previously about the communication aspect and what they can do better we have already seen the you know the in-house contrived apology from Peter Lowell did we really expect it to go any other way probably not 
you know, that's probably the way we all expected it to happen, coming out on the club's official channels and um, it's a staged interview and we probably should have expected that. How do you think the update is going to be delivered? Is it going to be just one night uh, we get a statement and we see it on Twitter um, or are they actually going to engage or will it be part of a bigger decision? The review has happened, here is the outcome. Yeah, I think just that. I think it'll be delivered by way of statement online. Um, I don't even think we'll get, you know, a sort of video conference of Lawwell. I don't think it'll go that far. I think it'll simply be a wider statement, perhaps, you know, framed as a response from the club to recent events. Mm -hmm. Um, And it'll deal with a manner of things and one will be, hopefully, you know, the review. Um, It will either tell us that change is coming or it'll tell us that no change is coming. Um, I hope it's as clear as that. I don't think it'll go into the issues or the questions that we have and that we want answered. I don't think it'll go into the, you know, the key issue, which is, you know, what has happened this season and why has it been allowed to happen? Have we done any sort of, you know, review into that? How the club can have went from where we were last season to where we are this season in such a short period of time why has that happened and why has this been allowed to happen um, I don't think it'll answer that um, I don't think it'll answer many of the other concerns that the fans have I think it'll be relatively short to the point and and tell us if there's change or not but they have, they have to do it and I think at the moment they know that there is no getting away from the fact that they have to deliver an outcome of the review. You've got John Paul Taylor saying that they should do it. The fans are expecting it. The media are asking about it. They can't get to the end of January without having given an outcome of this review. So I'm expecting something. Um, It won't be entirely what we're looking for, but I think we'll get something by way of statement on the club website. Mm -hmm. Now, when we look at the approach of Neil Lennon yesterday, Lawrence, and I'll ask yourself this, because I know... You know, I'm going to say you're a big Neil Lennon fan. So have I been throughout his tenure at Celtic. But that approach for me, we've already said it was confrontational, which it was, very defensive. But I feel that there has also been, in numerous interviews this season from Neil Lennon, uh, a blame culture. So Ferenc Varos, we get knocked out of the Champions League, we'll blame the players that want to leave. There's a dressing room full of players in there and they don't want to play for the club. Rangers... You could argue the toss, but he blamed the ref. That's what he focused on after the game. He blamed the referee for the red card. Dubai, he's blamed the media. He's blaming the Scottish government. He's blamed the photographer for taking the picture and claimed that that was illegal. That kind of approach, Lawrence, if you're a footballer, and I'm thinking about the way that um, the Hibs tenure unravelled and some interviews I've done with Hibs players around about that time as to the demise of Neil Lennon, really, uh, compared to the way he was when he first went to Easter Road. How are the Celtic players going to, you know, how are they going to react to that type of approach? You're looking around the dressing room, you've got Irish internationals, Scottish internationals, Greek internationalists, Uruguayans, you've got French under-21 internationalists, you've got a real collection, um, an eclectic collection there of nationalities, cultures, approaches, and you've got this uh, manager in Neil Lennon, who is very much, I think a lot of people have said he's old school, and a lot of his uh, um, his practices. Do you think that's been a big issue, if this is the way that he's been treating or dealing with his players? I mean, we've seen the infamous incident with Mikey Johnson walking off the park, injured, in the way that he spoke to him. How do players react to that, Lawrence? I mean, we're in a modern... We're in a modern age of football where it's changed. You know, that old-school tactic doesn't seem to work. Players down tools... You know, they just don't play for the manager, knowing that eventually, after a bad run of results, the manager will get changed. That's the way that footballers go about their business. It's mercenary, I know. But that, for me, is a big concern. Has that been a big part of the issues this season? I think it's always framed through whether you're successful. And for Celtics, that, that's been top of the league in Scotland. So, a view on it is always going to be framed whether we're successful or not, or whether we're not. Sometimes you would say blame the referee. He's protecting the players because... I thought for all the ball we had and all the first 20 minutes of domination, three shots on target against Rangers, we should have a lot more shots. There was a lot of players didn't put in the performance they should have. And so some people might go, he's protecting his players. That's a good thing. Well, it's a good thing if we're top of the league, it's a bad thing. If we're not, and it, that's really what it comes down to, it's all about winning. 
So do players react to it? They've reacted to it in the past. They didn't react to getting called out, so he's now blaming the referees and something else. It's not the players now. So at one point, he's blaming players that went away. That was a bad thing. When he doesn't blame the players, it's a bad thing. It's Players are going to react as individuals, but our perspective on it is all going to be whether or not we're top of the league or not. And that's going to really inform whether we think it's the right tactic or wrong tactic. If he if he'd came out and blamed the Ferran Faris on the players one away and then we'd won every game since then, so like that was brilliant. Then he did that. You know, whether or not that was actual you know, there's a direct correlation whether that action has actually resulted in improved performances or not. When that action happened and after that this happened, they may be completely independent of what happened. But that's the way we can view it. Some players will react to it, some won't. I think we've all said that there are certain players there that we'd all like to see the back of it. We don't feel uh, show any passion on the park, show any commitment or any desire. Certainly, they don't show the kind of passion that Lenny was shown yesterday, rightly or wrong, only in his interview. You know, you've got players there that you'd be shocked if they went into a 50 50 challenge on the park. That yeah, when they're on the park. I can think of a few, Lawrence, yes. I can think of a few, but what I would say on that is a, it's a great point that you've raised because we were looking for some thunder, Natasha, all season. And, you know, we were, again, looking at Lenny on the sidelines and a lot of the time that was missing. So, yeah, he's come out swinging. He's, he's standing up for the club. There's a question around if he's gone about it the correct way. Have we been missing that kind of thunder but it being channeled in the correct way on the sidelines during games you've got it right it has to be channelled in the correct way and what he did at the press conference wasn't the correct way um, his points regarding the government moving the goalposts if that is true then that is a serious allegation and one that needs to be investigated but through the proper channels by the club and not by him angrily in a press conference um, so yeah I think that's it and while we do want to see him passionate defending his players um, in some aspects I think he got the message wrong in that press conference um, and he got his demeanour wrong. One of the things that stuck out for me, um, like we've already touched on, is that he said that it wasn't the club's intention to come across as arrogant or entitled. I think he's missing the point there again. It doesn't matter if that was their intention that was the reaction that it caused so I'm sure that they went to Dubai with you know the best of intentions um, with the relevant approvals, but it shows a detachment from the real world by him and the club, and a detachment from the fans. If he really thought, or the club really thought that that was the right thing to do, so you know I've no doubt that they didn't intend to come across arrogant or entitled, but they did, you know, and that's that's the reaction of the fans. Um, and you can't say that the fans' reaction was wrong because you're not in that position. You are in an entitled footballer, football manager position. Mm-hmm. Um, so while I get to an extent his need to come out and defend the players in the club, I think he, he got it wrong in the press conference. I think the tone was wrong, the content was wrong, the demeanour was wrong. If he wants to show that passion, that commitment, that bit of fight, do it on the touchline. You know, far too often we see him sitting on his chair, looking clueless, looking out of ideas, looking like there's no plan B, and he sits there. And then in a press conference, he's riled up and shouting at reporters. Um, so, yeah, I think, if, you know, my message time would be to channel it in the right ways, show us a bit of that in the park, um, and maybe less of it in the press conferences. Yeah, you remember back to the point where he was in uh, charge at Hibs and he was falling out with guys like Jim Duffy on the sidelines, uh, an opposing manager. And then afterwards talking about if someone asked me for a square go, I'm not going to back down. And just that real lack of focus, the lack of professionalism that comes from it. We've then been looking, as I say, at every nuance that's coming out of every player's mouth. And McGregor, after a game where he's obviously unhappy and he's talking about the fact that, you know, we didn't know how to manage a game against Livingston at home. That's a huge red flag. That's a huge concern. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. 
Um, and, I, and I think that, you know, even based on the performances, take Dubai out of it for a moment, take Bolingoli out of it for a second, just based on performances, many fans believe that Neil Lennon shouldn't be at Celtic now anyway. Um, you know, the two wins in 12, the capitulation of the season, the fact that we're so far behind Rangers well, of every tournament that we've been in. Um, and, you know, it's failure after failure this season. Lawrence, do you believe that Celtic are bold enough that Wednesday night, tomorrow night, might be Neil Lennon's final game in charge at Celtic? I think there's a good chance, and probably Callum speaking out is probably an indication of it. You know, he's a 20 £25 million asset to Celtic Football Club. If there's going to be a major change, as a senior member of the squad, I'm sure his opinion is going to be sought. Someone, if a, if a review is ongoing, which we believe it is, Neil Lennon believes it is, that, but he doesn't know kind of where it sits. I think was his answer in the press conference. He was told, you know, the rumours are that he at the end of the season, he was like, well, it's news to me. So he's not had the outcome of the review. But I think Celtic or Dermot Desmond, because that's ultimately where the decision rests. I think. I don't think Peter Lowell would make the decision. I think it's going to be Dermot Desmond. And I think, yeah, he's bold enough. He's been looking at this since end of November. Would we say middle of November? Two months? It's certainly enough to form any kind of opinion of what's going forward and what's wrong. You know, how long does it take to carry conductance through you? Is it, you know, what, 19th of January? Got 12 days left. Surely they're not going to take another 12 days. The, the, the of, what could possibly happen in the 12 days that's going to affect what, whatever opinion they've arrived at at the moment? Well, another thing I was going to ask you before I forget, Lawrence, because I know that this is something that um, I watched with interest, a discussion we were having with a couple of other Axon team members on the WhatsApp. Uh, I didn't get involved. I thought I'd just ask you live on uh, the broadcast. The comments about the conga. He was obviously talking about the, the Scotland team doing the conga yep. and the video footage that came out. This was all around Celtic being held to a higher standard um, than other teams or other groups. What's your thoughts on that? Because there is the argument, yeah, again, Neil Lennon's made a point, a very valid point in relation to that footage that was released. But shouldn't Celtic hold ourselves to that high standard anyway? Well, let's be honest, Scotland have won a game and qualified for a tournament, so that's through, viewing it through, success, to achieve what they want as a football club. Lenny having a pint with Brownie, poolside in Dubai, we've just been beaten by Rangers and it's viewed through that optic. So that, that I, I think the success rat, you know, kind of largely drives out we are viewing these things. If Celtic could beat Rangers 3-0 and Brownie and, and Neil had been pictured having a pint, would there have been as much of a throw if Scotland were doing a conga after having been knocked out, would they get a, as much retweeting going, this is brilliant? I don't think so. I think the reactions would have been switched about. Should Celtic call them Celtic a higher standard? We should always make sure we're complying with the legislation. Should we expect fairness from people that apply the rules? I think we should. I mean, we always complain about it on a football park and we know that the SFA has treated us unfairly in the past to such an extent that presidents had to resign. Why shouldn't Celtic expect fairness in the application of rules? Why should we expect to be treated differently from other member clubs? I'm going to throw this one over to Natasha. Talking about fairness, the language used by Neil Lennon yesterday was that there was an agenda, that it was political, and also that there was an element of bullying. Natasha, I'm of the view that it's one of these things that I, I wish we could just keep our own backyard in order so that this doesn't become an issue. But when you're comparing it to some of the other events that have happened in Scottish football, do you think there is an agenda? It's a very strong word to use. Bullying the agenda is very, very strong. And we have to be very, very clear on evidence if we're going to make statements like that. Um, the club has to have very clear evidence that the government approved this, that the government said that it was two metres distance rather than four or whatever they've changed it to and that they changed the goalposts either while we were away or they didn't tell us or they changed it when we got back. They have to be absolutely certain on that before they start making claims about a government agenda um, because that's very strong. Do I think the clubs have been held to a higher standard than anyone else? I'm not sure, but what I would say is I would agree with the point that we have to hold our own standards. You know, as Celtic Football Club, as a fan of the club, I expect my club to operate with the highest levels of 
integrity, humility, respect, and regardless of whether the trip was lawful or whether we were allowed to do it or whether the goalposts moved, I think the decision to go in the first place missed all those things um, and they missed what I expect from the club and that was a club decision, that wasn't a government decision taking aside the fact that the, perhaps the goalpost moved or it was legal I still think it was the wrong choice by the club to go to Dubai and now you know it's, co- it's cost us a big four points potentially mm. um, yep. and Lennon's come out and defended the trip um, and it really makes you wonder what sort of risk assessment was carried out that allowed that trip to go ahead. Um, like we touched on earlier, if he thinks it's remarkable that only two players have got COVID, did the risk assessment show that that could have been higher? And if it did, then why did we still make the decision to go? And if he thinks 13 players shouldn't be isolating, well, what would have happened if those 13 players hadn't been isolating and the player who now has tested positive hasn't been isolating and was allowed to integrate back in with the team, mm-hmm. that could have then caused an even bigger problem. So perhaps it is right that the government has said that 13 players need to isolate because clearly they do, because one of them is now now tested positive. So I think trying to... Well, you know, if the government had moved the goalposts, I have serious concerns about that. I think before we go down that route, we need to look at ourselves. We need to look at our own decision-making, our own choices, um, and take a bit of ownership for that outcome because that decision was on us. You use the word ownership. I was just going to ask, Lawrence, how do Celtic regain ownership of this situation? Is it possible? We're talking about the reputation of the club because what that then brings into play is, you know, people then dive onto other stories because it's a bad news story about Celtic and it escalates that. We're looking at um, sponsorship opportunities. It, get, it goes on and on and on, as well as the success of the club uh, being diminished this season. There is the risk of reputational damage. How do Celtic regain ownership? Can they? They can. They need to start speaking as one and having a bit of a PR strategy, deciding what the, you know, they're trying to get trying to achieve. Right now it's the appear that only Neil Lennon's speaking out. The club remained largely silent rather than the, you know, a reluctant apology from Peter Lowell or kind of weak state statements issued on the website. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it is kind of taking ownership, but it's as a club going right, this is what's happened. What will can it achieve? What communications would we put out? What will the reaction to the communications be? What will be those reactions? What, what are we going to say back? It just all seems to be ad hoc at one. Absolutely no planning. Lenny's the only guy that's kind of speaking out at all. It, it, it just looks fragmented. Yeah, it does look fragmented, a wee bit like our season, a wee bit like some of the support, and even the, the ex-players, i.e. Neil Lennon, Andy Walker, John Harrison, everybody seems a bit fragmented at the moment. Natasha, do you see um, any way that uh, we can get this back on track, that the Celtic support can be unified? Do you see a lot of kind of toxic chat online? Uh, on social media you can hear people having pop shots through the media i.e. Neil Lennon um, Andy Walker John Hartson this is Celtic we're all looking for I think I believe what's right for Celtic can we regain that? It has to come from the top um, and it would have to see the club from the very top adopt a completely different strategy than they currently are because they've got to look at it right now and see that whatever they're doing isn't working that interview by Lawwell didn't work. You know, the fans are angrier than ever on the back of that. That press conference from Lennon didn't work. Again, some fans are angry, some fans support them, but again, it's just caused division. So what they're doing right now doesn't work. So they need a strategy that's going to work. And I think largely the fans are asking for the same thing. They're asking for clarity, they're asking for communication, and they're asking for ownership. So what the club needs to recognise is that, you know, this is what the fans want. Why can't they provide that? Why can't they come out with more than what Lowell's doing in these sort of one-sided interviews? Why can't they give us more answers on the key questions that we're looking for and just be a bit more open? The silence is deafening um, and we need a really strong communication 
at the end of this review um, with clear directions as to where the club is going, um, setting a clear pathway, not just till the end of the season, but further than that. And if the board and the club were a bit more open and they explained to us their rationale, their thought process, their thinking and where the club are heading over the next six months, a year, then I think, you know, the fans will be able to get on board with that. But be open and communicate properly because otherwise the silence is going to be interpreted in completely different ways and just cause more negativity. No, you're right. Now, we should never ask this question, but Lloyd Jepson has asked it on YouTube. Can it get any worse? Well, I hope not, uh, Lloyd. We've all heard the rumours, and this was before the press conference yesterday, around, you know, the fact that it could be Lenny's last game. I've been speaking to people who have got links to the club. It seems to be mixed messages at the moment. I don't know if yesterday made any difference whatsoever to any decisions that have been made at the club, but we, sh- we should know better than to ask, can it get any worse, Lloyd? But thank you for uh, contributing, that's for sure. Um, Stephen Kenneth is coming in from YouTube. Any salient points Neil Lennon made about the establishment in Scotland and the allegiances of many in the media were lost amidst contradictions and lack of self control. It was not befitting of a Celtic manager. What do you expect, Natasha, from a Celtic manager? Even under such stressful circumstances, what would you have expected yesterday from Neil Lennon? Professionalism. Um, I think that's probably the overarching word is professionalism. Um, We hold our club to certain standards and he fell short of them yesterday. Um, He could have made those points on behalf of the club, on behalf of the fans, in a much better way if he had just been a bit more professional about it Um, and he failed to do so it wasn't in the heat of the moment he's had two weeks to prepare for this this Mm -hmm. wasn't someone coming into a press conference angry or riled up having on the basis of events that had occurred in the last day or so he's had two weeks to sit and prepare for this interview and that's still what he came out with that concerns me um, and it concerns me about him as a whole and, and where he's at at the moment in terms of himself in terms of his position at the club in terms of the way he's feeling um, it all just missed the mark for me Now there's been a few kind of comments coming through as well in relation to Celtic's PR someone asked whether we have a PR manager we certainly do um, a Celtic state of mind have been in contact one way contact is going to be said for the most part for three and a half years to try and establish a link with the club whereby we would be within these press conferences we would have access um, in the press conferences we have all the means to do that to film it to have it part of these bulletins we've been asking for this for three and a half years and we've never been given access I think if we had it then we could utilise the, the footage and comment on it um, you know rather than as Natasha said earlier parts of that footage being drip fed into the the social media channels which kind of like creates a bit of flurry of activity sometimes for the the wrong reasons but unfortunately the PR manager has refused to allow us access we are trying to do that and we will continue to do that as well now Zinko Vix who comments quite a bit via YouTube this is just the icing on the rotten cake for this season a mess laughing stock um, that's, these words aren't nice for Celtic fans to hear but it is getting to that point or it's beyond that point even uh, Monty believes that uh, a well done is necessary to Neil Lennon he was right to let rip somebody at Celtic needs to do that more often well done Lenny and I just think that you know, if I'm looking at, well, here are the two ends of the scale. Carlos Rodriguez, Lennon is a disgrace. What has happened to this club? I think we all as Celtic fans have an idea. We could go on the website any day of the week and check what the values are as, you know, kind of listed um, in their mission statements, etc. However, we all have an idea of what we expect from the club under circumstances. And I think professionalism would be something that everybody would expect. And yesterday wasn't professional. It seemed very personal. Um, now, we've got two ends of the scale in terms of how Neil Lennon dealt with that, Lawrence. You've been a massive fan of Neil Lennon throughout this season um, to the point where you and I have had some very interesting debates on this broadcast in relation to whether or not Neil Lennon should still be in charge are you finally at your tipping point has that happened over the last 14 days or so? He definitely shouldn't have dealt with his press conference like that yesterday there's no doubt that it's confrontational from the off I don't know what he's going to achieve with confrontation he's raised some points that are true need to be addressed but 
for some almost 12 hours after it. And we're Celtic's PR machine. Neil Lennon, the Celtic manager, has raised some serious allegations about the Scottish government and how Celtic are treated. And I don't hear anything about from Celtic about whether it's true, it's not true, they're backing Lenny, they're not backing Lenny. It's just left out hanging there. The Scottish government's not going to comment on it. <laughs> you know, how, how bad can the Celtic PR machine be? So if Lenny's went rogue with these statements, which I'm, pretty, I'm going to assume that the PR team didn't want him to appear like that. You know, that, that, that's a given. We didn't want that kind of attitude from the Celtic manager or demeanor. What they didn't control it now? What, you know, we're nearly 24 hours after it. What have they done? Nothing. Would you describe him, Lawrence, yesterday as a bit of a loose cannon? I think he's got to have been like, There's no way that Celtic have backed that, is there? No. So, I wouldn't have thought so. I wouldn't have thought so. So, if they're not bad, he's definitely been a loose cannon. You know, whether or not he's really... I mean, I think there's definitely big points there and one really serious allegation about goalposts being changed. If, you know, that's about as serious as it gets. You know, it's... But the manner he's delivered it in, a lot of it's been lost in the noise. Since Asha touched on earlier, if you read the transcript, you can notice some really good points here. But the noise of it and the, the delivery is wrong. The way he started off, touched on it, he was in isolation. He's still got access to the media. He's still mm-hmm. got access to his agent. If he really had such umbrage with Andy Walker, or wanted to put his across and say, look, it wasn't a jolly. Here's the itinerary of what we've done. 80% of my players are teetotal. They weren't drinking at all. In what way is this a jolly? He could have really start through the press. But or, or Lawrence, sorry to uh, interrupt a wee bit there, pal, but, or what he could have done is if you look at the comments he made around John Hartson, where he says, John Hartson could have phoned me, could Neil Lennon not have phoned Andy Walker? You know, there's a different way that you can deal with these things. And it comes down to this professionalism, wee bit of class um, as well. And we do have this idea of what we believe to be a standard of a Celtic manager. Kenny McAdam um, takes that point on, on and off the park. Our professionalism and standards have plummeted under Lennon. He's an amateur. Um, I mean, with regards to that, we know that the standards were completely different. Uh, during the, the tenure in different ways of Ronnie Dyla and Brennan Rogers. Ronnie Dyla comes in, he says this team are not fit. Um, a lot of the players didn't buy into it. We, we know how that ended up. Brennan Rogers comes in and starts implementing what are called elite practices within the club. There's things at the club that had never been there before. Brennan Rogers walked in the door. And, and it seems as though Neil Lennon's not interested in a lot of that. Is that a lack of professionalism for you, Natasha, or is it just that he's a different style of manager and maybe not suited now to where Celtic are in, in terms of a team who need to be able to see out a 90-minute game every single week when you've got a challenger, not breathing down your neck, but careering ahead of you? You know, it's all right if you're not playing great, but by January you might buy two or three players and everything's all right in the second half of the season if someone isn't breathing down your neck. But this season we've not had that luxury. So, you know, you could look at this season and say, well, normally you could maybe compare it to previous seasons gone by and say, well, we're not that much worse off. But when you're up against a real challenge, as we are this season, that professionalism, that extra five, that extra 10%, the amount of goals we're losing 70 minutes plus into games, is that a question around the fitness? Should we start, or are we looking, Natasha, should we be looking at a manager more in the mould of a Brendan Rodgers who brings in these practices? Absolutely. Um, I think it's clear from what we're seeing on the pitch that the levels of professionalism we need aren't there. Um, And games gone by, you know, you look at that Livingston game, you get to the last 20 minutes of that and in years gone by you would say, oh, that team will tire. It's fine, they'll come together in the last 20 minutes. That team will tire. Celtic's professionalism fitness will see us through to the end of that game. And, you know, in the past, previous Celtic seasons, look how many goals we actually scored in the last 20 minutes because our standards, our fitness were higher and other teams couldn't keep up. You know, they've been chasing the the ball for 70 minutes and the last 20, you know, we were so much more in control because of our fitness levels. And watching that game against Livingston, you know, that doesn't happen. Almost the reverse happened because those standards aren't there anymore. You know, we're not a team who are going to show our superior fitness towards the end of the game because it's not there. And that shows by the the number of goals we do concede late on. 
And I just think that Lennon is now the type of manager that we don't need. You had Joe Leslie come out and say he's one of the best managers he's ever worked with last week and that he's a great man-manager, and I'm sure he is. But I think even, you know, Leslie wasn't here that long ago, but I think it's moved on from even that. Um, The game's changed. The way players need coached and managed has changed. And Lennon's just a bit too old school for what we need. And we do need to replicate someone like Brendan. Now, I don't want to keep going on about big, beautiful Brendan, but he was on Sky Sports this morning getting interviewed about tonight's game. He might be taking less at the top of the league tonight. Uh, there is a, a comment coming in. How would Brendan Rodgers have handled yesterday's interview? That's how it should have been handled. A bit of tact. You know, there's a bit of craft about Brennan Rogers. He was able to get, still is, his message across. I mean, you remember the famous Terminado contract, um, contact that he had when he was basically on his way out and he was marking his ticket. He was questioning the club about ambition, but he'd done it in such a way that it wasn't a rant, but he was able to get the point across. Now, I don't want a clone. Neil Lennon's Neil Lennon, and that's why we fell in love with him as a player and as a manager, and he needs that fire in his belly, but it needs channeled, like we've, we've kind of said. You can't do that in an interview. I mean, that has made headline news all over football. Now, we shouldn't really uh, call Celtic a laughing stock of European football, but when Spartak Moscow are laughing at us uh, on their way to Dubai, it kind of brings it home. We need to really maintain the standards that we set and hopefully get back to them. And do we do that by employing a new manager? And I'm not saying of the mould of Brennan Rogers, but one of the names, and it's one that we talked about yesterday, was Eddie Howe. His name keeps coming back up. He is the forerunner, if you like, in terms of the odds. Um, a lot of people are backing him I, I think a lot of people say yes or no without knowing much about him I'm not saying that's the case with Lisbon 67 because there's so much perception around the manager isn't there um, Lawrence Connolly if indeed Livingston on Wednesday or a game in the not too distant future is Neil Lennon's last game in charge is he removed from position and do we start working on the new manager now or do we put an interim in, in place, which will probably be from within John Kennedy, Strachan, etc., until the end of the season? How do you see that developing if a change is made? Well, in, in any way professional, we've been working on a new manager since we announced there was going to be a review because the outcome of the review, the manager's either staying or he's not. And if, you, if your planning is, all right, the manager's going, let's start fresh looking for a new manager. That, that's a crazy way to plan. So if Celtic as a football club haven't been planning for one of the two outcomes of this supposed review. It's crazy. So we should be some way down, down the way of assessing managerial candidates at the moment. You would whether, think so. Yeah, you would think so. Whether that's Eddie Howe, whether he's going to be successful, who knows. Again, it's structure of the club that needs to change. It's not just the manager. What's the point of changing the manager? What if we've got another friend and, and he get annoyed after the first season? Peter Law was still here and and starts messing up transfers or signing players he's not aware of, and we lose the manager again. We really need to change the structure, and we can keep changing. We can't just go through a cycle of changing managers and then go right. Actually, the manager here doesn't work, or he doesn't work with Peter. Let's change it again. Let's change it again. Let's change it again. We need, and hopefully, then it's been reviewing the structure and exactly getting to the root of, of, of what, why we've got the symptom of not performing well. What is it that's causing causing the football club to be so dysfunctional? And it's not just on the park. Look at the PR department. It's virtually non-existent. Or, 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 yeah, I know there's a guy employed there. That, that press conference is 24 hours ago. Mm-hmm. They've done nothing to manage it. It's, it's just a crazy situation that they've done nothing to manage it. But we've seen that kind of lack of PR skills or lack of story management or news management for a long time at Celtic now. and at some point somebody's got to go this isn't good enough for an organisation the size of Celtic to mm-hmm. let stories happen and not manage them you know, Lauren said something earlier, Natasha, in relation to the success aspect and how it's looked through a different prism, if you like, you know, a different optic regarding success against failure. And I, I do understand that. And I think some of the points you're making, Lawrence, a lot of these things aren't questioned a lot if you're continually winning 
um, and I've said before success masks a lot of the deficiencies is it now time because everything seems to have unravelled spectacularly Natasha for us to look at how we're viewed elsewhere in relation to some of the comments being made about Celtic now being arrogant acting in a privileged manner wasn't that long ago that it was the fans that were entitled now it seems as though the club are being brandished with, with that kind of term um, are we able to, to turn that around I still look at that squad I think that any manager looking at the squad thinks right I can still get a tune out of that maybe um, supplementing it with a few of my own signings but I can still get a tune out of that squad um, is it still an appealing job at this moment in time or with every passing day and every new drama uh, are we going to put anybody off coming in to Celtic? We need to be careful um, like you say that squad is a relatively good squad and on paper it's my view that squad should be winning the league mm. um, why it isn't is a massive question for the management and the coaching team and the fitness department but you know putting that to one side are we scaring anyone away from the job by you know, the, the recent negative press attention. And that's definitely something we need to be careful of and something I'm sure the board or even the owners are are concerned about. Um, you know, we're now a club who are fighting with its own fans, you know, fighting with the press, fighting with the, the Scottish government. That's not an attractive opportunity for a manager to come into. So we do need to be a bit careful there about the reputation that the club has, not only you know, within our own country, but further afield as well. You know, you touched on the, the Spartak Moscow thing. At what point do the owners need to see this as a serious business concern in terms of reputation, in terms of sponsorship? Mm-hmm. We need to do a bit of business management here, a bit of reputation management, and get this all in hand very, very quickly. And that needs to happen now. Well, the, the big thing, a part, part of that would be, again, Natasha, this massive push for season ticket renewals that's just round the corner. And in the past, we've seen the Charm Offensive, we've seen Peter Lowell and Neil Lennon going on a, a kind of like um, whistle-stop tour of the Celtic supporters clubs, some of whom hadn't seen Celtic representation in some time, uh, whereby they were trying to get the buy-in and actually explain, this is your strategy, this is how we see this going, because the uptake on season tickets wasn't great around about the time of Lennon's first appointment back in 2010. They're not going to be able to do that, Lawrence. It's going to be very, very difficult to have a a level of engagement to that degree um, because of the obvious. How are they going to tackle this between now, season ticket renewal date? How are they going to tackle it? How are they going to turn this around, this PR? um, You know, it's been a bit of a shocker in terms of the PR department. The shambolic PR system that Celtic have been running how do they change it? Because they need to change it now when you consider that I think it was March last year that the renewals came out. I'm going to disagree with you and say it should actually be easier for them. I remember I had to fly down to London about Manchester for meetings, etc. It was a load of logistics to get places. Now people need to do business with is video meetings, it's Zoom meetings. Celtic have a list of season tick holders, they've got a list of email addresses. This is really easy for them to engage with people if they want to. The big question is, what level of engagement do they want? Yeah. You know, do they just want the money? Or do they want any true engagement here? Because I think it's much easier. People, country over, are used to doing video meetings, Skype calls to relatives, or whether it's on work or Teams or Zoom or whatever. It's easy for Celtic to, to have the channels to speak to people. But what strategy have they got? What engagement do they want? Is it just gives a season t- ticket money in? We'll see you next year for more season ticket money. Yeah. Do they really want anything to change? Will people believe things have changed if Peter Law is still there? I certainly wouldn't. Natasha, I've got one final question for you today. Um, and it goes back, I think, to the very first question. Uh, what else could go wrong? Do you feel <laughs> that we've, we've had everything we're going to get from the Dubai fiasco? Do you think this is going to rumble on? Is there going to be wide-reaching consequences of some of the things that Neil Lennon said yesterday? Or do you think it's time, or are we going to be able to draw a line under this and try and move on from it? The only way of drawing a line under this and moving on from it is a clear communication that puts it all to bed, that leaves no more room for more questions, more fallout, more negative press. We need something clear um, something strong, something from the club that just pulls us all together um, and finishes it. And what form that takes is for the club to decide. Um, 
I, th- I think it's needed sooner rather than later to put all this to bed. Um, but I don't think I don't think we're going to be immune from criticism for the rest of the season. I think it is going to keep coming back up. Um, just wait for the next COVID breach from another club, um, and it'll be immediately compared to what happened with Celtic in Dubai. So I don't think we're going to be rid of it entirely. Um, I think it's going to keep coming up, and. In terms of Lennon's comments about the government and the moving goalposts, you know, that can't be put to bed that quickly. You know, that's a serious allegation that needs investigated or a statement from the club needs to come out and sort of clarify it and deal with that. Um, But I think there's going to be some ongoing implications from that. Um, And I don't think we've seen the end of this one, unfortunately. Well, the end of season DVD is going to be an interesting one, that's for sure. Uh, Lawrence Conley, it's always a pleasure talking to you, and it's interesting that over the piece uh, we were able to to discuss that without falling out again, which is brilliant. Natasha Michael, thank you again for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. We'll be back tomorrow at twelve thirty, unless something else happens in the world of Celtic. Thanks everybody for getting involved on Facebook, Twitter, and on YouTube. If you've been watching on YouTube and you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the channel, and we'll see you again at. 12:30 tomorrow. Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Social Podcast Network. Sports 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 Social Podcast Network. Network.